Ladies and gentlemen, it has been a while. It is an old school filibuster freestyle opening, cold opening as they call it the biz. Cold open. That's right. And that voice you hear is the great Andrew Patterson. What's up, my man? I'm very excited to be back. I'm very excited to be back for the uh, the cold open. This is like this is back uh, back from the very beginning of the podcast. Very beginning of the podcast, and it was before before I uh, came up with this little ditty and started opening the show with this. Let's see if I can get it on like a three to one ish basis. Eh, almost. Uh oh. Watch out for the filibuster. It's back, baby. The hot mic opening. Let it feel good. Let it wash all over you. Because it's the filibuster freestyle. That one is going out to our buddy Roscoe P., Mr. Patterson, because he's wanted a hot opening. Um, a live filibuster freestyle theme song with the Gavonzo Beans remix for about a year now, and I haven't given it to him, and I feel bad about that. So I wanted to do it tonight because I'm trying to turn over a new leaf. Do you want to hear about this really quickly? Yeah, I mean, I like the idea of giving the people what they want, first of all. Yeah, well, that's the whole point of the freestyle in the first place, right? Right. Um, so I'm not going to lie. I've been doing the show for a while. Um, there's been a couple opportunities for me to get like guests who aren't my friends on. Um, there's been more failed opportunities to get on guests who aren't my friends. And I, I'm just going to say it. I feel like for the last month, month and a half, I've been in a rut, you know, a little bit of a rut. And okay. um, we've had a couple short additions of the freestyle. That one of those or two of those was me just trying to do some Facebook lives and throw them up on Filibuster Freestyle Facebook page and here on SoundCloud and on iTunes, etc. But the other reason is uh, we applied for a, a contest. Do you want to hear about the contest real quick? I very much want to hear about the contest. So a few weeks ago, I'm over at the uh, Filibuster Freestyle Italian field trip with Cindy Harrington. And in my email, uh, the folks from Squarespace, who are the ones who power uh, filibusterfreestyle.com, they are having a contest for aspiring podcast miniseries hosts. Okay. And uh, I decided to apply for it. So last week, in lieu of a real show, for those of you who took, took a look at the feed, there was like a two-minute and 52-second kind of like a, a, a stream-of-consciousness pitch of what I would okay. do what I would do a miniseries on. And the reason it was so short is because it had to be three minutes or under. So okay. hence the very, very short effort last week. But... So is this where you're going to ask me to, like, get wrongly convicted of murder? Like, is that my role in this? Like, you want me to, like, not murder Chris Orozco, but somehow have that happen, and then you'll do a miniseries on your two most frequent podcast guests and how one was accused of murdering the other? Yes, because, frankly, the only way we're going to get the amount of listens that we've been craving is to basically either fake or actually have a, a punditry murder. <laughs> yeah, well, Gavin, uh, I'm in. Totally. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. And the good news is, now that we're on the topic of murder and mayhem, we can turn our, our attention to Westworld Season 2, what I believe is Episodes 4 and 5. Um, I believe so. And, and for those of you who have followed the Winewall and Dragons podcast with Dan O'Brien and I over the last few years, the beauty of Game of Thrones has been that we know it well enough that we can kind of make crazy theories or just kind of have hot takes. And the problem with Westworld, besides them taking year and a half breaks in between seasons, is nobody knows what the hell is going on. But, but, really quickly, Andrew, then I'll let you jump in. I'm sorry. After the third episode, two weeks ago, you and I were incredibly bullish on this series. 
And in the last two weeks, episodes four and five have led you, Cindy Harrington, who are the only two people that I've actually pulled on this, to basically wonder if Westworld has already jumped the shark. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, especially so after episode five, because you, um, I think my basic text to you and my basic take on the show after episode five was like, you have a show in which you have 90 plus characters, Mm -hmm. it seems like. Mm -hmm. And if you can't tell a story with 90 characters that you need to bring in like six new ones midway through the second season, maybe your story has some problems. Right. And so what we're going to debate tonight, instead of going through scenes and things like that, unless they happen to back up our, our arguments, is... Is Westwood going, are they crazy for going to, to Shogun World? And we can explain that in a minute. Or are they crazy like a fox? Uh, it's not, it does not feel crazy like a fox. Right. And I think you're in that camp. Cindy Harrington's in that camp. Um, I, I'm pretty much in that camp. But what I want to do, and I want to get into your hot takes and what their problems are, but there's some possible silver linings to what's been happening and to the setups and maybe we can go through those before we finish tonight and talk about the slim sliver of a hope that I have that this show might actually just be setting us up for something cool down the, down the road. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I buy in. I, I'm pot committed to the season anyway, so I'm going to listen to the, I'm going to watch the whole season. Yeah. So it might as well be good. Okay, so let's, let's talk about a couple of the... Which rev- is in itself an incredible indictment of the amount of enjoyment right now I get out of watching Westworld. Like, so little enjoyment did I get out of these last two episodes that I've resigned to. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess it'd be good if it was a good TV show, but I'm going to watch it anyway. <laughs> well, the thing is, when they make you wait a year and a half, you, you feel like the storyboarding is going to be good enough. Yeah. They're, it, gonna have a, they're not going to screw this thing up, right? But you've referred to it earlier on the podcast, but it makes me think of True Detective. Yes. So, True Detective, I... You'd be hard-pressed to find a bigger fan of season one True Detective than me. Correct. You and I did one a couple of podcasts best, on it back in the day. Best television seasons, best story medium of any kind I've ever really enjoyed. Sure. You will also not find someone who despises season two of True Detective more than I do. Right. Um, just absolutely atrocious television. But I guess here's my issue. But no, well, they, go ahead. True Detective said, well, oh, they said, no, they learned their lesson from True Detective. They, they tried to force him to put out season two before he was ready. They wanted to let their creators take longer breaks so that they could tell the story they wanted to and have yeah. the time with it. Yeah. And now it feels like Westworld had that time and even with that time can't figure out what it wants to do. Sure, that's fair. And I guess my, my, my True Detective parallel would be that they purposely did a different, a completely different show in the second season. Different right. characters, different stars, different location. So they were more likely to screw it up because they got, they got such a hit the first season. And I, again, I, I loved the first season and did not like the second. Um, but the problem is, this is supposedly a TV show that, one, had plenty of time to write season two, and two is based on a book, which means the source material is there. Yeah. I mean, like, based on a book from, like, 1970. Correct. Yeah, I mean, it's like, this has been around for 40 years. Yeah, this isn't like Harry Potter Part 9 just came out and half the press to make a movie. This has been out since before we were alive. Yeah, uh, exactly. And it's also not like 
you haven't already written in a way to just do whatever you want with most of your main characters anyway. Correct. Like, they are robots that come back to life. Right. And, like, and obviously there's been a major paradigm shift in the last, you know, in the last, since, since, right. since well, here's the thing. Last season was confusing, and I think everybody gave a show that's going to try to have 90 main characters or 90 lead, you know, significant characters, excuse me. They're going to give them a wide berth to, to bring it home, and they did. I mean, Anthony Hopkins wound up having his first ever droid shoot him in the head at a par- company reception. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was a good season. It, I loved the finale. Correct. Of last year. So my, yeah. my, my hope, my, my very blind hope is at least can they give us that, right? But let me hit you with a couple things that I feel like are worth kicking, kicking around, keeping the ball in the air, and sticking around for. And you've already said you're going to stick around regardless. But yeah, I think number one, okay, Maeve went to Shogun World, which apparently is – and you, you might help me try to get the quote right, but basically – for people who think Westworld's too tame, we send them to Shogun World. Right. We send them to Shogun World, which then they admit is just the same stories. So it's just people who want bloodier deaths. That I, did, I, I, I spent too much time thinking about that line. Right. And that part was really weak. You know, the fact that they basically Maeve and the snake face lady and the leather cowboy guy, Bandito, all ran into their Shogun World equivalencies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like... It was like Bill and Ted and, Part 2. That was not good. I agree with right. that. Right. And, and the audience, as the audience, you care about Shogun World as much as that writer obviously cares about Shogun World, where he said, yeah, I just reused stuff when I have th- hundreds of characters. I just reused a bunch of the same stories. I didn't care. Correct. Like, but I also do not care about Shogun World because you've just undersold every character you're about to introduce. This is fair. But what I like... Not, not even what I like... There's a couple things that I do like, including a, a, a Japanese flute and band-inspired version of Cream by Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah. Once again, the music was um, top-notch. Yeah. I, I enjoyed that we were doing a little dollar dollar bill y'all with uh, the Japanese accompaniment. That was all right. Um, but I, maybe this, and again, I'm not sure why they needed to go do this, but the whole, the only redeeming thing of Shogun World is that Maeve went there and the samurai didn't listen to her because they were programmed to respond in Japanese. And then the writer dude had to remind her, well, you know Japanese too, and they'll follow all your commands if you speak to them in Japanese. And then she was able to do that. And then the emperor dude, shogun guy, cut off all of his people's ears, which is kind of far-fetched, but whatever. And yeah. So they couldn't hear Maeve. But Maeve then realized that, like, like Darth Vader, she can just do it telepathically. Um, right. And I think that the... Again, it's a long way to go, literally and figuratively, to Shogun World to tell us that Maeve can control people with her mind. But I think that when Maeve finally goes back to Westworld or the real world or both, um, she's going to essentially have the upper hand, I still think, on any, any other character in the whole damn thing. And maybe they're reinforcing that. So yeah, I'll give them I mean, that. It also reinforces that Dolores... I still stand by Dolores being in in, in, a, in, in, a, in an arc the, for, yeah. for the man in the black hat. I really still think this is true. I totally it stands agree. Because Dolores is doing like the JV version of this. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, yes. I totally she agree. She still needs like basically an iPad to override uh, what's his face's brain. Ted, Teddy's brain, right. And, Teddy's and, brain. Right. And that's another revelation. And, so, and she has like four guys holding him back and she takes all of that to control one. Right, and Maeve and can control people in different languages Maeve without even... Maeve can control hundreds just in 
sitting there. Right. And the other thing that, that dawned on me tonight before we, we started recording was if anybody, nobody who has any control knows that Maeve souped herself way up. So here's the other wrinkle that I'm still looking for to be a really cool wrinkle is the man in black and somehow Dr. Ford, through, through the gift of artificial intelligence, are still kind of playing a game against each other, and I totally agree that Dolores is central to that game, right? Yes. But neither, one, neither the man in black, nor Dolores, nor Dr. Ford's you know, artificial state, nor, nor uh, Bernard, know or have the ability to stop Maeve's powers from being all the way turned up, to quote Soldier Boy. Correct. So to me, she's still the absolute wrinkle, and if you got to take her to Shogun World to just remind me of that, I didn't really need to have that. But thanks anyway. But just give me some good stuff on the back end, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, it just to me, it just feels like it dwarfs the other storylines now. Like I, I'm less invested well, in Dolores's, yeah, knowing that she can't do a, a, a tenth of what. Maeve can do. Which is really... And so why do I really care about the Dolores? Like, it, it puts you back in that, like, version of, like, right. how do they get you to care about the fate of the robots? Well, the other point... One, the other point is... Whatever they want to call them. What, what team, if any, does Maeve join? Man in Black or Dolores is? Or does she force one of them to join hers? So I think that the only real surprise left is, at least to you and me right now to the naked eye, whose team does Maeve sway or does Maeve just take care of everybody? See... I, and I don't think that they've given that to care about in Maeve's storyline. Maeve just wants to get her daughter and leave. Correct, right now. That's all she wants. She doesn't want to be on anybody's team. She, she's she's controlling these armies and doing these things. Well, she did it for that for the for the Shogun army. So because she cared about that other um, yeah, the other the lady, a, the a, a, a cane in her. The same way her, she yeah. cares about going on for her daughter. So she intervenes there. So that she could help this other woman with someone who felt like her daughter, which is Maeve's entire quest. Sure, but now she may have those people as an army. And my only thought process is so far so good that she wants her daughter and wants to get out. But let's see where it goes. Yeah, I mean, I think for there to be something on the line, there's going to have to be a showdown where people are stopping her from getting to her daughter. Correct. Like, yeah. she does not seem, like, like Dolores seems like that, that, that quote-unquote evil, well, not quote-unquote evil, I don't know why I said that, but, like, she's she's uh, bent on domination. Correct. And she she wants to win, destroy, kill. She wants to do all of these things. Yeah, she's essentially um, done a complete character flip from who she was last season. Right. Okay. And Maeve doesn't want any of that. Maeve hasn't shown that she's interested in that at all. You know, Maeve is just... Right. No, I feel, I feel you. I feel you. And what's interesting, though, is let's talk about another thing that makes me think there's a possible silver lining to the rest of the season, which is um, the lady who almost got eaten by a tiger in, like, uh, British colonial Indian world. Yeah. Um, she's the man in black's real-life daughter. Real-life daughter in the TV show. C- correct. She's not Ed Harris's daughter. Um, she's not Ed Harris's daughter. Okay. <laughs> Maybe she is, but I don't think she is. She could be, right. So, can, but then, can we, can I just say something? Sure. Like, we have to go back to episodes. Can they stop with this? Like, it is not a good twist when you when you do every other episode for me on storylines. Correct. Like, I, I do want to get into enjoyable. that. That's not enjoyable. That's not a creative, like... Don't do that to me. Tell me, to, you know, like already when you're trying to mess around with timelines yep. in what seems to be like mere weeks apart, like why do you need to throw that into? Like some of it now, I just feel like they're forcing the story to fit what they did season one. Yeah. You I, I, know, like yeah. season one had this twist where the storyline twist worked well. 
it did what it was supposed to do. Yep. I mean, by the end, you weren't blown away by the twist. You kind of figured it out, like, yeah. relatively early. But it still worked okay, you know? Um, yeah, I agree. It's not working in this season. It's just not working. I'm not, I don't care which storyline is from when. No, I understand that part, and I agree with that. And that's definitely why I feel like is, you know, the headline of this episode is going to be is Westworld, you know, crazy like a fox or just playing crazy, right? Because that's, that's what we said. Yeah. But to me, a <clears throat> couple interesting things. Well, number one, okay, the, the whole spend a week on two storylines and then spend the next week on two completely different storylines is right out of the Game of Thrones playbook. It's classic early in the series of an epic HBO show move. They take the okay. long, you know, they take the long way home. Everybody starts to get impatient and then hopefully bombshell, right? The, these storylines collide, right? Correct. And that's what they're going to have to do or it's just going to become unwatchable to your point. Now, the whole man in black thing is interesting with the daughter showing up because here's why. We just spent week four with William, the man in black, revealing that he and maybe Dr. Ford or Bernard kind of clandestinely were working on trying to keep the Delos guy, the father-in-law, uh, Jim, alive. Or they brought right. him back to life as artificial intelligence. They've, by the end of episode four, he's been brought back to life 149 times in probably like 35 years, right? Right. And right after the man in black decides that he's going to not pursue living forever for himself, it sounds like, or for his father-in-law, or worry about it. And he says, I'm not sure any of us are meant to live forever, and both you and I probably aren't meant to live at all. He then does a good deed, which we can get into or not, doesn't matter, for Lawrence's family with the Confederados. But then his real-life daughter shows up, which is that going to make him want to do a heel turn and then want to live forever? Because he's let on in season one that he might be sick or dying or something, right? Yeah, there's something going on there. And he's had a fault. They've alluded to several times his falling out with his daughter. So, right. So now there's a storyline there. Because what I think is men in so black. So I think that's an interesting storyline. Because also he talks about how his, his wife killed herself. Right. And he wouldn't accept that. Right. And that's like led into his decisions about living forever. Right. 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 There's a good storyline. So if we that's, can tease that out and we had to go through some of that crap in episode four to get there. Again, I'm not saying it's okay, but I'm saying it's all right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you've, you, the show's piled three or four storylines on top of that that I'm just not that interested in. Totally, totally agree. And, and, I, and yeah. you're dedicating, and, and so the storyline that I am interested in, the one story I do think they're telling well this season, it's you get 20 minutes every two hours of that story. Maybe 25 minutes every two hours of that story. To- totally agree with that part. And that's why I think they're slow playing it too much. Um, yes, 100%. And then the last thing, and you've alluded to it, but Dolores is essentially trying to build a, a mutant droid army. <laughs> and right. even her beloved Teddy wasn't safe. And we, it didn't take her long to uh, give him retribution for letting that Confederado guy go and basically for being soft. Um yeah, because she's hell bent on, you know, forming a a pipe hitting army of of mean of mean droids. Right. I mean, they've they have made Dolores Shredder from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's who she is. She he's got the foot soldiers. She's got her mutant army. He's got like Rocksteady and Bebop, who he turned into like super villain. Like you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Super like, uh, like I was t- talking about. She's doing this with Teddy. Correct. Yeah. 
Those dudes. It's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I just I just made that call. No, and I'm sticking with it. And that's the thing. I told you. I told all the listeners on the filibuster freestyle that we'd have hot takes in this show tonight, and that's a hot take right there. Yeah. This is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles sequence of season two. Mm-hmm. And we're not sure and the no secret of the ooze is, is any good. Is, is Flint Treader. Correct. Now, but I still feel like we've basically tried to do a flipperoo in which Dolores is now essentially the man in black, and the man in black is trying to maybe position himself for a face turn. So anyway, it still comes back down to Maeve. If Maeve is, yeah. if Maeve is not interesting by the end of the season, none of it will matter, I don't think. And, and I think Maeve could potentially be interesting. I, I think. I don't know. Totally I mean, like, agree. Totally she's agree. She's a much better... She's a... I don't know. She's the Dolores... The, here's what I know. The Dolores storyline this season sucks. Um, <laughs> totally true. It's it's awful. And it's it soured me on some of the other, the other tales. Mm-hmm. I think Maeve has the potential for a good story. I think this diversion into Shogun World was silly. I don't think it's needed. Yep. In, unless now she has an army of samurai, but... Which I think she she will. I think she's going to... What does she need to do with them? Yeah, I I still very much look at this as, if you think back to the beginning of the series, Dolores is the first person we came into contact with. Dolores was undeniably the protagonist. Right. And right now it seems like she's undeniably heading towards a world of becoming, you know, at the very best, an (laughs) anti-hero. Yeah. But probably yeah. just a maniacal droid. And so are you suggesting maybe like it's going to be Maeve is going to make this face turn, not a face turn. I don't know. She's not anything right now. She's neutral, maybe. Yeah, um, I, I feel like this. she make this face turn and fight with the samurai to like defeat Dolores. Potentially. And I think how that gets played and who I think there's going to be some type of a triangle in which Maeve is going to be the deciding factor. And as long as they don't screw that up, there's a chance for the show still. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the only flaw I find in that theory is that Maeve can literally control all of the other beings with her mind, all of the other hosts with her mind. Correct. And literally, nobody knows this. Correct. So that's what I mean. They, so they've Dolores got they've got something have to a work with to like build up a defense to that. Like, R- right. So they've got Maeve something. Maeve could bring her army of samurai and then just think to the army of you know cowboys, all right, you know whatever she thinks, and then she wins. Correct, unless the way that Dolores is turning up those guys like Teddy is making them only loyal to her. I don't know, right? Okay, there you go. Because at the end of the day, Dolores, right? What's that? Why is she only doing that to Teddy? We saw her like totally changing his like. She's obviously trying to turn him into like the super aggressive. I think she wants Teddy to live, but she knows Teddy won't make it unless he's a badass. I don't know. Okay, I just like there's 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 flaws there. Like, why is she not turning? Everybody that's with her into this. Like, then she has a much stronger army. Totally true. And, that, and that's what we got to find out. And that's why, I mean, I'm still with you, Cindy, and many others, and that this show is in deep trouble halfway through its second season. But I'm just trying to be the guy who's trying to poke a couple silver linings. You're, you're already dedicating at least an hour a week to watching it and at least an hour every two weeks to talking about it. So I might as well I, be hopeful. I, I, I appreciate your uh, positivity on it. And then here's I the, wish I could join you. I yeah. wish I could be as... You know, maybe you will. Enthusiastic about where the season is going. No question. Now, let me say this. There's one more storyline that needs to get at least looped back into the mix. Which is... Oh, do tell. We haven't seen... uh, Blah... What's her name? Um, Abernathy, the dad, sorry. Um, Dolores' dad. Right. Um, We have not seen him. We have not seen Charlotte Hale, the board member. 
We've not no. seen why they want to do it. And Dolores did allude to in either week four or five that she needs to get her dad back. So they've got a loop in the board back into this. We've got to learn what the hell they're up to with Abernathy. There's still this other underlining thing that two weeks ago we were so convinced by, which was Delos was mining data on like behavior, not just an entertainment company. And that part's still lost too. So not a silver lining, more of a, they got to tie that one back in too. Cause Doctor you know, Dolores Abernathy's dad, and whatever the hell they're trying to do, doctoring him up, that's got to be figured out too. Yeah, I mean, what are, what are we th- what are we figuring? Ten episode season? Yeah, so we're halfway through. We so got to sew all through. that it's up. Still in the fifth episode in a story with in a, in a show with this many storylines, they're still insisting on introducing new ones. Totally agree. Can't 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 refute that. Like we got to start wrapping some of these up, boys. Correct. But essentially, I just gave us five. And girls. I just gave us five silver linings that that occurred in five weeks, which means they got to turn these into one story real quick. Yeah. Um, yeah. It'll be. Um, you know, if this season, it, it, well, we'll see. I mean, we're halfway through. The potential for something is there. I would agree. I just am not. I am pessimistic on the chances they they're able to pull it off. Yes. Now, couple things I want to shout out. From episode four, because I don't have much to shut off from episode five. Okay. But at least Elsie came back. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, right, that was an Be- interesting. So I, I, I am lost on how long she was, she was tied up. I think a matter of days. I think a matter of days. I think, okay. I think the problem is, and she alludes to this when she checks Bernard's like diagnostics out. Bernard yeah. has no idea when he is, but that's not anybody else's problem but Bernard's. And on ours as viewers. Um, I think Elsie's been gone like a week or less. Um, and more importantly than all of that, the fact that they remembered to bring her back into the fold leads me to believe that all the crap we just spent the last 20 minutes talking about has a shot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Um, but hopefully not a shot just like randomly at some point in season three, like the next season like they've done with her. Correct. They've got, they've got to figure that out. They've got to yeah. figure that out. Totally, and, that, and that's really all I've got. I mean, you got, you got to get William. You're learning a lot more about William. You're learning a lot more about like the old Delos founder or the bankroll guy Jim, the father-in-law. Um, yeah. You know, you get to see the Confederado jerk get, get his comeuppance from the Man in Black, which is making Ed, Ed Harris's character starting to do a bit of a face turn, and, or at least show some some uh, meritable traits, if you will. Fake right. name of the week: meritable traits. Um, <laughs> Tough band name, but definitely a fan. Meritable Traits sounds more like an old-timey baseball name than a band name of the week. Like, Meritable Traits is like 1880s baseball star. Third baseman for the uh, Cincinnati Red Stockings, Meritable Traits. Right, exactly. Hey, my new rap name is Meritable Traits. I love it. All right, go for it. That also works like that. What's up? This is Meritable Traits. You're listening to Jam 94.5. Yep. I like Meritable Traits as a, uh, as a new fake name. Yeah. That's, that, you know what? Meritable Traits, this actually leads me into something that I, I saw on Twitter earlier. Meritable Traits could be friends with your friend, Curtis Fingers, who, if I read correctly, because I think we're pretty much done with Westworld right now, uh, Curtis Fingers was watching a Derek Lowe tribute on Nesson and got teary-eyed. Is, can you confirm that? Uh, I, I can. Curtis Fingers, uh, there's nothing quite like the 2004 Boston Red Sox to Curtis Fingers and um, Nesson was running it's the class of 2018 for the Boston Red Sox and apparently Curtis Fingers was watching the tributes to the Nesson's tributes to those who were being inducted got it 
and it was Derek Lowe's, and they spent a lot of time on like his story, which was really, you know, culminated with that 04 uh, Red Sox. No, no question. Series. Derek Lowe salvaged his entire Red Sox career in, in about. I mean, he had a good career anyway, but in about three weeks, he, he salvaged his career, and that's why he's going in the Hall of Fame, right? Well, I mean, and all of it ties in really well to the Red Sox that season in that, like, you know, I mean, we don't need to go deep dive on Red Sox because the Red Sox Westworld fandom might not cross over much. But, right. you know, people talk about Duquette building that team, and Duquette traded for Lowe and Veritek, and then Lowe's last season was 4 and he wasn't even going to start in the playoffs, and then he started game four of the World Series, which they won. He started game seven of the against the Yankees that yep. completed the comeback. Yep. Just an awesome sports story within an awesome sports story. Correct. So kind of like the opposite to bring this back to Westworld. Yeah, the kind opposite. Kind of like the opposite. Unless they pull this one out of there, you know, you know what. Um, right, exactly. And then, you know, speaking of Westworld and Shogun World and other places listening, I just want to get this in real quick. Uh, friends in Ashburn, Virginia are back at number two listening this week in terms of cities listening. Uh, okay. Want to give it up to Frankfurt, Germany, Lima, Peru, and a place called Hengelo, Netherlands for listening. Thank you very much. And uh, the Hengelo. Na- yeah, I don't know where it is. I'm going to look it up on Google Maps later with the crack research team during our post-production meeting. And uh, Columbia, the nation, came in third place after the U.K. and the U.S.A. last week. So props to you folks in Columbia. Buenos dias, buenos tardes, buenos noches. Yeah. All that. And I'm not sure how you say goodbye in the UK, but I think we'll figure it out. Um, (laughs) So anyway, (laughs) speak American. Isn't it cheerio? Cheerio. Is that hello? It might be hello. Okay. (laughs) All right. So, I mean, essentially you and I are going to be back in about two weeks, uh, unless it just gets real slow in the Westworld, Shogun world land, correct? Right. Yeah. Okay. Do we miss anything or any highlights? in us at this season. Yep. Um, and we'll see. We'll we'll see where our uh, where our paths take us. I could change. I was pretty excited after after our last after yeah, episode three. You were last pumped, time we and I was right there with you. All right, well let's do this because I'm gonna re- I'm gonna remember to do it. Here's a song that y'all haven't heard in a very long time. It's the filibuster freestyle outro song, and uh, you know I'm gonna play it. Andrew and I are gonna say goodbye. Andrew's gonna stick around. We're gonna catch up. But we're gonna have a lot of shows this week. By the way, Andrew, you're the first of many. Uh, Probably going to check in with our buddy Andy Maslin on some uh, Triple Crown uh, horse racing stuff. Some That's ho- right. I forget. He's, your, he's your horse racing slash tennis official. Yeah, he's our, he's our lawn and, and field and turf sports guy. Um, right. And uh, since horse racing is the sport of kings, we got to bring Andy Maslin in. Uh, we're probably going to talk to Dara Richie O'Brien and Cindy Harrington about Southern Charm. And, okay. and we may squeeze in, hopefully, before Memorial Day, Carl Ray and I talking about the greatest cover songs ever t- covered by actual other famous bands. Oh, I and, like it. And then you and I, by the way, are probably due for our fourth annual song in the summer in the next month or so as well. So, yeah, I've started to. I have to say, I've started to pay attention. Good, because you took last I'm year off. To figure it out. But by the way, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to look listen to a ditty before I play the 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 outro song. Check out the, the, the 2017 version of the filibuster freestyle search for the song of the summer in which we bring in Roscoe P, and he's, as always, very prepared, and Andrew Patterson decided to not be prepared. And, and as always, it, that formula works great. It does work great. I mean, it is time-tested and true. We know um, that if, I, if, we, if the both of you are on and I do my work, he'll do enough work for the both of you. <laughs> yeah, 
hundred percent, and it works. It works for me. It was reminds me of a tweet I saw when Jimmy Garoppolo got traded to the 49ers. Yep. And it was uh, Jimmy Garoppolo now has two Super Bowl rings and the richest quarterback contract in NFL history. Shout out to the kid in the group projects who let everyone else do all the work and still got an A. <laughs> it's well said. All right, yeah. guys. Andrew, stick around for a minute. We will catch up. Everybody else, at some point in the next four to five seconds or less, you're going to hear the vaunted Filibuster Freestyle outro song. Thanks for listening. Filibuster Freestyle. That's the end of the podcast, folks. Follow us on Facebook and subscribe on iTunes. Thanks. Feels good to be back, baby. Filibuster Freestyle gloves are off for the summer of 2018, everybody. Ha, ha, ha.